Hey everybody, welcome back to Ending Heresy and Schism. I'm Josh, and today we'll be going over the evidence for baptismal regeneration and infant baptism. So let's get started. So I want to go over sacred scripture first and see what the Bible has to say about baptism. Let's get started. 1 Peter 3.20 says, Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So right here we see that baptism itself is the appeal and that we are saved through the water like Noah's family, but it's not just a regular bath that washes away dirt, it is the appeal for a good conscience and regenerates you. So people who object to water baptism saving you would say that this is only baptism of the spirit. But it's clear that they're talking about water and Noah's ark and it's also the appeal. So let's see what sacred scripture has to say elsewhere about baptism. So Colossians 2:11 through 14 says, "In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. So you see right here that baptism replaces circumcision and also cancels out your trespasses and your debt. We also see that we are buried with him in baptism. In order to be raised with him you need to be buried first and that's what baptism does. So let's go ahead and look at some more scripture. Galatians 3:24 through 27 says, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So you see right here that we're baptized into Christ and put on Christ. 1 Corinthians 12:13 says, For if one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Mark 16:16 16, 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It says all who believe and are baptized will be saved. It doesn't say all who believe are saved and then will be baptized. So nowhere in the Bible does it say that you have to have faith first and then get baptized. Mark 16, 16 is simply saying that these are two conditions that you have to have in order to be saved. If you get baptized and you don't grow up believing and you step away from the faith, then you aren't going to be saved, most likely, unless it's through some kind of invincible ignorance, which we'll talk about in another video in the future. It's true that in Acts, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. 
But as adult converts, we have the developed intellect to turn away. That's what repentance means. Turn away and then decide that we want to be grafted into Christ during baptism. Infants do not have this intellect developed yet until the age of reason, the church teaches, which is around age seven. But these are two different conditions. One doesn't precede the other. And Colossians 2.12 says that you have been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith. So even though infants cannot be raised with him through faith, but they're raised with him through faith only through us raising them up in the faith so that they can later profess this faith, they are still at least buried with him in baptism and grafted into the body of Christ and part of the vine and no more attached to original sin. So if they die before being able to profess their faith and have that intellect of being able to choose Jesus Christ and believe, they will still go to heaven because they have been buried with him in baptism and are now part of rebirth into Christ. So they were reborn, okay? So we shouldn't play around with that and expect God to save them through extraordinary means and assume that they'll be saved outside of baptism. We shouldn't take them for granted and say, well, look, they don't have to be baptized because we know that they do because of original sin. They have been buried with him in baptism. So they're grafted into the body of Christ and their original sin is gone. But then they can be raised up with him through faith by us teaching them the faith and us raising them up in the faith. So even though they don't have this faith yet directly by their own intellect, they're still living out the faith through their parents and who have grafted them into the body of Christ. So they're part of the body of Christ because they've been buried with him. And now they can be raised with him through faith because of us raising them up in the faith, living out the faith until they can know with their own intellect that they're following this faith. And if they decide to fall away and they say, I don't wanna choose this anymore parents, then they would lose that grace and commit apostasy. Also, entire households were baptized in Acts 16.15, Acts 15.33, and 1 Corinthians 1.16. And it would be an assumption on your part to say that there were no infants part of all these entire households. And it would be an argument from silence to say that infant baptism is then not biblical. It would be similar to an atheist saying... Well, we only have this much evidence of Christianity in the Bible, but we don't have any evidence of Christianity more than this and this and that. So therefore, we shouldn't believe Christianity just because we don't have much evidence for it. That's an argument from lack of evidence, not the argument for the evidence that we do have. And that's what I mean by looking at the scripture and the church fathers, the burden of proof is on the person who says there was no infant baptism at all, which the evidence clearly shows there was. Furthermore, 1 Corinthians 7.14 shows that children and unbelieving spouses can be sanctified by your faith. John 3 5 says Jesus answered truly truly I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God and something that Trent Horn points out in his book case for Catholicism is that it's in the context of baptism because John 1 32 through 33 says and John bore witness I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him I myself did not know him but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So you see 
that John is talking about Christ being baptized. And in verse 22 of John 3, the same epistle also brings up baptism. So this is well in the context of baptism. Justin Martyr, which we'll go through later on, he says that this verse means that you can't get into heaven unless you are baptized. Now the church fathers also say things about baptism of desire, and I'll talk more about that later. But first, let's continue to look at the scripture on baptism. Ezekiel 36, 25-27 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and be careful to obey my rules. So right here we see in the Old Testament baptismal regeneration, that he'll clean us with baptism and we will receive the Holy Spirit through baptism. Acts 2, 37 through 41 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brother, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Here, Peter talks about baptism being for the forgiveness of sins as if it washes away your sins. And we'll see that clearly in the next scriptures to come. But we also receive the Holy Spirit during baptism. And it's for your children also. And you see that Peter said it saved their souls. Now, I want to bring up the baptism of Cornelius in Acts 10 because a lot of people will object and say, well, Cornelius... He was baptized after he received the Holy Spirit, so you don't always receive the Holy Spirit during baptism. But the thing is, is that's an extraordinary means of the grace being conveyed through baptism and getting the Holy Spirit through baptism because God's not bound by sacraments. And he had to do that to show Peter that the Gentiles also should be baptized because they too can be saved. Another example would be the thief on the cross, and that plays into baptism of desire. If the thief on a cross wasn't already baptized, then it's possible that he was saved by the extraordinary means of baptism of desire, meaning that he desired to get baptized and he would follow Christ even if he couldn't. And if he would have got off that cross and said otherwise, and he survived somehow and said, no, I don't want to get baptized, then that would be a blow to him and he would not be saved because then that means he didn't desire the baptism. So God has extraordinary means that he could go above his sacraments and we shouldn't take him for granted and assume that we don't have to follow the ordinary means anymore because he can do what he wants because he's God. Also, infants are born with original sin. We are all born with original sin. And Adam and Eve has caused us to lose the grace of being with God as children of his. We were born children of wrath under the dominion of the devil because of original sin. Even though infants don't commit personal sins, they still need to be wiped clean of their original sin and have the grace of God enter into them with the correct matter, intent, and Andy Form 
don't forget the form. Here are some more verses that I want to go through. Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Again, this teaches baptismal regeneration. Acts 22:16 says, and this is the King James Version, And now, why tarest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Ephesians 5:25-27 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. So the scripture is pretty clear. Let's get to the early church fathers. In the first century, Herma says, I have heard, sir, said I, from some teacher, that there is no other repentance except for that which took place when we went down into the water and obtained a remission of our former sins. He said to me, You have heard rightly, for so it is. And this is written in AD AD. So even in the first century, they were teaching that you need to get baptized or you can't be forgiven. Justin Martyr says, Whoever are convinced and believe that what they are taught and told by us is truth and profess to be able to live accordingly are instructed to pray and to beseech God in fasting for the remission of their former sins while we pray and fast with them. Then they are led by us to a place where there is water and they are reborn in the same kind of rebirth in which we ourselves were reborn in the name of God, the Lord, and Father of all, and of our Savior Jesus Christ, and of the Holy Spirit, they received the washing of water. For Christ said, Unless you be reborn, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's John 3, 5 that I was talking about earlier. And this is in 151 AD. So let's see some more church fathers on baptism, shall we? Origen says, It is not possible to receive forgiveness of sins without baptism in 235 AD. Irenaeus says, He, Jesus, came to save all through himself, all, I say, who through him are reborn in God, infants and children and youths and old men. Therefore he passed through every age, becoming an infant for infants, sanctifying infants, a child for children, sanctifying those who are of that age, so that he might be the perfect teacher in all things, perfect not only in respect to the setting forth of truth, perfect also in respect to relative age. And this was in 189 AD. And Irenaeus was taught by Polycarp, who was a disciple of John. Hippolytus says, Baptize first the children, and if they can speak for themselves, let them do so. Otherwise, let their parents or other relatives speak for them. Origen says, Every soul that is born into the flesh is soiled by the filth of wickedness and sin. Original sin. In the church, baptism is given for the remission of sins, and according to the usage of the church, baptism is given even to infants. If there were nothing in infants which were required to remission of sins and nothing in them pertinent, to forgiveness, the grace of baptism would seem superfluous. The church received from the apostles the tradition of giving baptism even to infants. The apostles to whom were committed the secrets of divine sacraments knew there are in everyone innate strains of original sin which must be washed away through the water and the spirit. This was in 248 AD. So there you have it guys. 
I wanted to bring up that evidence and that's just some evidence it's not all the evidence we don't go by sola scriptura we go by sacred scripture apostolic tradition and the church magisterium all the church father quotes that i showed you today can be found in the link below it's from catholic answers and it's attributed to them so i'll link it down below you can also check out more church father quotes at newevent.org. kevin knight he's an awesome guy check out his site they're all great sites guys so just because the bible doesn't say explicitly infants are to be baptized you see that this promise is for your children and all who are far off and then you see that the lord calls infants to him and that everybody needs to be washed away of original sin and sanctified and this comes through baptism where you're grafted into the body of christ and you're buried with christ so that you can be raised with him and if you can't do that then you can't go to heaven unless through extraordinary means like baptism of desire baptism of blood 